Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Element Church. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here, and I want to welcome you to week one of our new series called The Table. Now, uh, I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about it, but sitting around together with other people um, is some, some, one of the most important things we do uh, in our lives and in our culture. Uh, a lot of how we celebrate uh, revolves around a table and food. It, it revolves around a meal. Now, um, we're going to talk a lot about meals over the next couple weeks, and I need to give a disclaimer before we go any further. Um, I've lived in Colorado for 13 years, and I have uh, done my best um, to make sure that most people can't hear when I speak that I didn't grow up here. I actually grew up in Oklahoma. Um, but there are a few words in my, my vocabulary that I just uh, can't help myself. And the word meal is one of those. When I think about it, I can say it correctly. When I don't think about it, which means many times while I'm preaching, I'm going to end up doing this, I'm going to revert back to how I was raised, and I'm going to call it a meal. And so you can chuckle, you can smile. The light's too bright and all of you are wearing a mask, so I won't even know it anyways. But it's going to come out at some point today and over the next couple of weeks because I just can't get that word out of my vocabulary. Um, but so much of our lives and the way in which we celebrate and commemorate events happens around a table. Uh, whether it's a reception after a wedding ceremony, it's um, going out with coworkers to celebrate a promotion or finishing up a project, or the way we love to sell, celebrate most major holidays in our culture and lives. And especially for us as Westerners, um, this is something we love to do. But even for people and cultures all around the world who don't share the same sort of overabundance of food that we do, Gathering together to eat is a way to celebrate and to create and to share memories. It's no different in the Bible. Sitting around a table and sharing a meal with someone, um, sharing food, sitting down to commemorate or uh, to, to create a memory is something that happens throughout the Bible. And as we are entering into sort of a Thanksgiving season. Kyle mentioned Christmas earlier. Um, for those of us who are here early and setting up, we were having a discussion about who has started setting up Christmas decorations, who hasn't. Are you listening to Christmas music yet? Or like, is it too early? Um, and so we were having that whole discussion. And some of you are getting in the Christmas spirit. But regardless, all of us are preparing to celebrate Thanksgiving. And sitting around a table and eating food is um, rightly on our minds right now. And in the Bible, Jesus loves to utilize food to symbolize the way in which he wants to work and minister and serve in our lives and in the lives of people around us. Jesus actually says it this way uh, in Revelation 3.20. And speaking about his desire to work in our lives and to know us and to have fellowship and intimacy and relationship with us, Jesus says it like this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. So in order for Jesus to symbolize him wanting to have a relationship with you, for him to symbolize the intimacy that he wants to have with you, he doesn't just say, hey, I want to get to know you. He says, hey, I'm going to knock at the door. If you'll open the door of your heart, if you'll open the door of your mind, if you'll open the door to your life, I'll come in and eat with you and you with me. And for Jesus, this is a symbol 
of developing and creating fellowship and relationship and intimacy. As a matter of fact, we've kind of developed a practice over the last uh, handful of months of every time we do a new series, we pick a new theme verse that kind of guides us throughout the series. And we always put the challenge out to our church every time we do this to memorize the key verse. And this is our key verse for our three-week series called The Table, where life happens. And so I encourage you and I challenge you to start working on memorizing Revelation 3.20. It's a great reminder of the intimacy and the fellowship that Jesus wants to have with us. But there are a lot of other places in the Bible where food is used to represent this same idea. Towards the end of the book of Revelation, the author of the book, John, has this vision of what it's going to be like when Jesus returns. The Bible teaches us that Jesus didn't just come once, which we're going to be celebrating and remembering at Christmas, but that he's coming again. He's coming to finish what he originally started. And John has this vision. God gives him this this dramatic vision full of vivid imagery and symbolism uh, to represent what it's going to be like when Jesus comes back to finish what he started. And, And in Revelation 19, John has this vision of what it's going to be like. And I want us to look at that for just a minute. Before we do, let me give you some context. In the Bible, a lamb has really important and uh, great significance. Um, In the Old Testament, lambs were sacrificed in place of uh, or to serve as uh, sort of a a punishment or a payment for people's sin, for for rebelling against God. Jesus came and when Uh, John the Baptist, who was a prophet in the first century, saw Jesus for the first time. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in the New Testament, Jesus is known as the Lamb of God because his sacrifice on the cross um, served as the ultimate payment for your sin and for my sin. And so John envisions this Jesus coming back and he's going to use the imagery of a lamb. And he's also going to use the imagery of a bride. The church is sometimes in the Bible called the bride of Christ. We are Jesus' bride, um, and he is coming to get us one day. And so this is the imagery the Bible likes to use. And so we're going to look at Revelation 19, where John kind of gives us this vision for what it'll be like one day when Jesus returns. And this is what John says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder crying out, Alleluia, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. So here John is referring, he's using that language to refer to Jesus who has come to claim his church, the bride. It was granted to her to clothe herself with fine linen, Bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And so even in John's vision of what it'll be like when Jesus returns, as as crazy it is that we could imagine what that might be like, in John's vision, he says the Lamb is coming. The Lamb is coming to claim his bride, that's his church, the, the church of all the believers all around the world, those who've given their faith and their lives to follow and serve Jesus. And he says, blessed are those who are going to be invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. 
that this symbol of sitting down and eating food represents our final unity with our creator. When he comes to finish what he started, to make all things new, to when we get to live in harmony in his presence for eternity, it's symbolized by sitting down and having a meal with Jesus and with our creator, God. Food is used throughout Jesus's ministry. Um, there's a really interesting book by a guy named Robert Karras. He wrote a book called Eating Your Way Through the Gospel of Luke, in which he highlights how through almost the entire Gospel of Luke, Jesus is either going to, to eat with someone, he's currently at a meal with someone, or he's just leaving a meal with someone. Jesus sitting down to eat with people is a hallmark of his time and his ministry here on earth. And we don't have time to even mention all of them, but just think of some of the highlights the very first miracle Jesus ever performed, turning water into wine, took place at a marriage feast. When Jesus first began calling his disciples to come follow him, he calls a guy named Levi or Matthew and he says, hey, I want you to come follow me. And immediately, Jesus and the disciples he did have and Levi and many others gathered to celebrate at a feast. This is actually where the religious elite who would eventually crucify Jesus, this is where they actually begin to get angry with him. As, as we see in the story in Luke chapter 5, that they actually start complaining because Jesus starts spending his time with what they, they call, they label, tax collectors and sinners. And they're like, what kind of prophet, what kind of man of God that this Jesus claims to be would, would spend his time with those kind of people? Think about some of the other stories that we love. Jesus sitting down with the tax collector Zacchaeus. He shows up and says, Zacchaeus, I'm, I'm going to eat with you today. And that's how he begins his relationship with Zacchaeus. Think about uh, right after that. Jesus sits down and has, has, has dinner with the religious elite. So Jesus not only ate with the sinners and the outcasts and the tax collectors, but he ate with the religious elite. He was trying to reach everyone. And while he's sitting there eating, do you remember the story of the woman who comes in? who begins kneeling at Jesus' feet and crying and kissing his feet and wiping his feet with her hair and anointing his feet. And the religious leaders got angry. They were like, why would he allow such a sinful woman to touch him? And he says, you don't get it. You don't get what I'm here to do. Think about the story of Mary and Martha. They're sitting down and they're eating and they're fellowshipping together and one of the women is worried about doing the busy work and the other one wants to sit at Jesus' feet and get to know him and talk with him. And Jesus praises her for it. Think about the very last night Jesus spent on this earth before his crucifixion. What did he do? He ate a meal with his disciples. Do you know what Jesus did with his disciples the very first time he appeared to them after the resurrection? He ate a meal with them. Do you know what Jesus did the second time he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection? He ate a meal with them. Do you know what Jesus did with the, the third time he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection? I assume you all know the answer now. He ate a meal with them. Jesus utilized sitting down and eating with people as a key part of what he was all about and his ministry. And I want to highlight two reasons why Jesus did it kind of give us some purpose and perspective as we enter into the Thanksgiving season. And the first one is this, 
because food is for fellowship. Uh, there's a really interesting uh, book out there uh, written by a, name, uh, a lady named Carolyn Steele. She's an architect and a food urbanist, whatever that means. Um, but she, she wrote this really interesting book uh, called Hungry City, How Food Shapes Our Lives. She actually did a TED Talk. This is how I discovered her and her book. Uh, she did a really interesting TED Talk that you can look up. And, and she observes how food is so central to our lives in our society, and she actually makes this statement, uh, few acts are more expressive of companionship than the shared meal. Someone with whom we share food is likely to be our friend or well on the way to becoming one. And this was no true for the early followers of Jesus. Not long after Jesus left his followers to return to heaven, this is what the Bible says about them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Because there's something special that happens when we break bread and fellowship with one another. When we stop and we share our lives. What we do on a Sunday morning is very important. But it's only a fraction of what the Bible has ultimately called us to as followers of Jesus. Because in this environment, especially in this season... There's only so much fellowship we get to do here. But where we really get to begin to share lives together is in smaller groups. At Element Church, we call those e-groups, element groups. And if you've never checked one out, my challenge and encouragement for you is to make that a priority for your life. To not just sit in rows, but to move from rows into circles. To begin to get to know people, to share your life. You know, we have one group that meets on Thursday nights every week, and they share a meal every single week. They go around and they rotate and they change who hosts the group and who's going to take responsibility for food, but a part of their strategy is eating together every Thursday night. The group that I'm a part of on Wednesday nights, we don't eat together uh, every night, but we just so happen to be eating together this coming Wednesday. Uh, every, every week, uh, we get together, we have time where we drink coffee, because that's like the most holiest drink available. Uh, it's in the Bible somewhere. Um, and we drink coffee, we hang out, we talk, and, and, and then we'll do a Bible study of some sort. So we may, um, we may look at a book of the Bible, we may look at a particular topic uh, that everyone's interested in, we may do a video-based study, we'll do something, and we do it from four to eight weeks, anywhere in there. And then when we're done with the study, we take a one-week break and we just eat together. That just so happens to fall this coming Wednesday. Um, I don't know what we're eating together because it's usually a hodgepodge. Everybody brings something. Sometimes there's a theme, not always. We tried to create this theme of, for this Wednesday, breakfast, but there's a guy in our group who just hates breakfast and was complaining. We're actually trying to kick him out of our group because he doesn't like breakfast, but we haven't gotten that far yet. Um, no, but we, we just bring food and we hang out and we eat because it's that time of sharing life with one another. If you're not a part of an e-group, there is no better time to try than this week. If you want more information about our Thursday night group, or you would like information about our Wednesday night group that is having a, sort of a potluck this week, no pressure. You don't have to show up and have all this Bible knowledge. I mean, you don't have to have that on any week you show up. But this week, we're just eating together. If you would like more information, 
probably the best thing to do is just ask me after service today. You can also go to our website. We have information on all of our groups, where they meet, when they meet, how to get in contact with a leader. But, but you're welcome to just come ask me. Now, normally, in a normal season of ministry, we'd have a table in the lobby with lots of information. You could take cards. And, um, but we're just in a season where we can't do that. A part of our, our requirements for meeting in the school again in this season was that we wouldn't be handing out things. I actually had to get special permission from um, top-level administration in the district just to hand out the prepackaged crayons and um, coloring sheets for kids because um, we originally weren't allowed to hand anything out, but we got permission to do those. Um, just as a side note, um, parents, when your kids come in and get those coloring sheets, um, they're not just to keep them pacified while the rest of us do church. Um, those activity sheets go along with the kids' Bible story every week, but there's more on that sheet than just a place for them to color. There's actually family starter discussion questions on that sheet. Um, there's information about what Bible story was covered and what's the main point. There's actually recommended family activities to do that go along with that Bible story. And so I encourage you, maybe when you sit down to eat with your own family today or later this week, that you don't just discard them as another coloring sheet that you have to hang up on the fridge or secretly throw away because you already have too many on the fridge, um, but that you recognize that there are other parts to that that will help you and your family connect. But back to my other rabbit trail on e-groups, if, if you would love to get connected, I would love to help you make that happen. So if you want information about uh, where they meet, when they meet, who to contact, we'll get you connected. But, but sharing food together is a form of fellowship. We get to start to share our lives with one another. There's another reason that Jesus made food such a priority is because for him, meals are for ministry. Did you catch that? Food is for fellowship, meals are for ministry. That's my overpriced education coming into work right there. You better enjoy that because I give these kind of alliterations about every six months. So it'll be summer before you get another one of those. Um, meals are for ministry. I want you to look at, we're going to look at Luke chapter 19. This is a story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. Uh, when he comes and he meets him and he invites him to, to eat. So let's just look at the story real quick. He, that's Jesus, entered Jericho, an ancient city in modern day Israel, and was passing through and there was a man named Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was of small stature. He was a wee little man. Is anyone else singing that song in your head right now? Okay, just checking. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Jesus shows up on the scene. There's a small guy who can't see over the crowd, so he climbs a tree. And Jesus calls out to him and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to your house to eat today. 
Can you imagine how much pressure that would be if Jesus is like, hey, I'm coming to your house unannounced. We're going to eat together. But Zacchaeus welcomed him in because he was curious about this Jesus. Jesus, as a part of his strategy, wanted to eat with Zacchaeus because he wanted to share life with him. It wasn't just enough that Jesus stand in the street corner and talk to Zacchaeus up in the tree. He wanted to engage him relationally. He wanted to spend time with him. It made everyone else mad, just like we referenced when Jesus first called Levi the tax collector to be one of his disciples. Because why would Jesus want to spend intimate time with a person like this? In the story, we're told Zacchaeus is rich, which is sort of an unimportant or not necessary detail because the fact that he was a tax collector already tells us that. He was already known for defrauding people. He was already known for stealing from people. And that's why as he developed this relationship with Jesus, his response was, Jesus, if I've defrauded anyone, which wasn't really a question, it was a statement, then I'm going to repay them. If I've used my position in my life to hurt and take advantage of others, now that I've gotten to know you more, Jesus, now that I've chosen to follow you, that's not who I'm going to be anymore. So instead of hurting and defrauding people, I'm going to turn it back and be a blessing. And in response to all of this, this is what Jesus says in celebration of Zacchaeus' changed life. It wasn't just the fact that he was giving money away. It was that he was giving money away because it represented a, a change in his life. And Jesus said, for the Son of Man, that was a term that Jesus loved to use for himself that has significance going back almost a thousand years, about 600 years before uh, Jesus came to this earth. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, a part of Jesus's key strategy for reaching those who needed it most was to sit down and eat with them. Now, when we were planning this series many months ago, our plan in this series, The Table, was to challenge everyone in our church to invite someone to their dinner table that they wouldn't normally associate with. Just to be a blessing. Just to reach out and to serve and to make a difference. Just to show love and care and concern. Now, I recognize we're in a very interesting season and I don't necessarily feel comfortable like challenging everyone in the church to invite a stranger into their home, given just the state of our culture and COVID and things like that. And so I recognize for some of you, that may be a challenge. And when we have a number of families who, even because of pre-existing health conditions or a number of other reasons, are joining us online. And we enjoy having you online and thank you for joining us. Um, just because of, of the state and the condition of our culture and, and what's going on. But I do want to challenge you. Who are you investing in in your life? Only those who are just like you? Only those who it's comfortable to have in your home? Because you know that they like the same things you like. They want to talk about the same things you want to talk about. They're going to have the same opinions on things that you have. Jesus invited those who others often ignored. Yes, food was an opportunity for him to, to build deeper relationships with those he already knew, but it was also an avenue to develop new relationships. I don't know what that looks like for you in this season. I know COVID makes it challenging, but my challenge to you is to think about who are you investing in and how. Maybe it's in a creative way. Maybe it's doing something a little bit outside the norm. How are you going to use your life 
to bless and to minister, to serve and invest in others. Maybe particularly those who most people prefer to ignore. And as we close this morning, here's what I want us to reflect on once again. Revelation 3.20. For Jesus, he said, hey, I want to have an intimate relationship with you. I want to be in fellowship with you. He used this imagery of sitting down to eat with us and us with him as a symbol of that relationship. As we close this morning, yes, I want us to think about how food is an opportunity for us to connect with others, an opportunity for us to serve others. But I also want it to be a reminder that Jesus wants to connect with you. That Jesus, through his death on the cross, has already come to serve you. And that today, this morning, he's knocking. He's knocking on the door of your heart, of your mind, of your life, saying, I want to come in. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to have fellowship with you. I want to have intimacy with you. Because just as we saw in the story of Zacchaeus, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came for those who need it the most. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the time that we have to come in your presence this morning. And I just hope that, Lord, would you just help us to reflect for a moment on the relationship that you want to have with us. That for all of us, that you are standing at the door and knocking. Inviting us into relationship. Inviting us to get to know you. Maybe we feel like the sinner and the tax collector, the outsider, the one that no one else thinks are deserving of it, but that you've come for us. You've come to seek and to save those who need it most. Lord, that we would open our hearts to you this morning. I'm going to ask you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment. We're going to move into a time of response. We're going to sing one more song as an opportunity to respond to who God is and the ways in which he wants to speak and to move in our hearts and our lives this morning. I want you to know, no matter where you are today, that Jesus is extending an invitation to you. He's extending an invitation to you to have a relationship with him. To be in fellowship, to be in intimacy, to be in communion with him. Would you be willing to open up the door of your heart, the door of your mind, the door of your life to him this morning? To recognize who he is and what he has done for you? To establish that relationship? Would you be willing to invite him into your life this morning? Would you be willing, like Zacchaeus, to just surrender all, to follow? Would you be willing to be like Levi, the tax collector, who surrendered all? He says, I'll follow you. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you my life. As we sing, it's an opportunity for you to declare that it's true for you that it's a response, that it's a reflection of what's in your heart. 
as we celebrate that all of this is possible because of Jesus, only because of Jesus, only because of Christ is it possible for us to be in fellowship and communion with our Creator once again. Lord Jesus, would you be honored by all that we say, do, and think this morning as we respond to who you are, your great love for us, that you came to save people like us and that this morning you're knocking with an invitation, an invitation into intimate relationship with you.